Oh man, well, welcome to Tuesday night. This is, this is the deal. So um, this is our last Tuesday night of the year, except for the Christmas party. Don't forget, uh, we forgot to say we're not going to be meeting the week between Christmas and New Year's. So if you show up here on the 27th, I think that is, we won't be here. Um, you can try to get in, but the cops might show up if you do. Um, so, so don't. Um, so enjoy that week. Spend time with your family. Spend time with your, what? All right. Praise the Lord. Um, tonight, we're just going to wrap up this quick series we've been doing through December um, on what it means to shine. We called it The Shining. We got this cool graphic to help you remember that we're supposed to shine the Lord's light to the world. Um, and so you can either think of Tanner with the, the, the Buddy Christ thing, or you can uh, think of the movie from the 80s that you're all too young to remember. Um, either way, hopefully this series has reminded all of us a little bit about the importance of living our lives in ways that demonstrate the Lord to the people around us. We started two weeks ago by talking about why we need to shine because Jesus was the light of the world, but, but he left the world after he resurrected, leaving us here as his representatives to shine his light. And now we are the light of the world, but we always have a choice on whether we're going to let that light shine or not. Last week, Nick talked about how to shine by living our lives that, in ways that demonstrate the changing power of Jesus Christ. We live in this dark and evil world, but, but we do so as shining lights standing out against the dark background. People should see the light of the Lord when they look at our lives and the way that we live them. And this week, we're talking about what to shine. Um, and we can see that in 2 Corinthians 4, so turn with me there if you haven't already. But tonight, we're really honing in on, on our need to shine the gospel in our lives to the people around us. That's really the light that we need to be shining. Um, when we've been touching on that a little bit each week, so some of tonight is going to sound familiar if you've been around for the last two weeks, but tonight we're just really going to dig in on that. So let's read 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 6. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so from here, we can see the ultimate problem with darkness. Because all around us, there are people who are trapped in darkness. People who can't see the light people who can't see the gospel. And we'll look at why that is, and we'll see from the Bible why lost people are so stuck. But we'll also see God's solution to get them unstuck, and we'll see the way he made for them to start seeing again. And we'll see why we are such an important part of that. Because as we've seen, the light that we're to shine comes from the Lord. It's, it's not our light, it's his light, but he's given it to us to shine for him as his representatives in this dark world. That's our job to do. That's why we're still here. That's what we've been talking about. That's why God lets us continue to live our lives here after we get saved. That's why he doesn't pull us up to heaven right away to be with him. He leaves us here so we can be his representatives. He leaves us here so we can be his lights in the world because without us shining as lights, well, the world would be in complete darkness and the lost would stay blind forever. And that's why it's so important that we shine the light of the glorious gospel around us. Because if we don't, well, they would have no way to even know that they're blind. Think about it. If you were in a completely dark room with no light at all, how would you know if you were blind or not? It's like Schrodinger's blindness. Um, 
That's a science joke. So, look it up. <laughs> but tonight, let's talk about what the Bible means when it says the lost are blind. Let's, let's talk about God's solution to that blindness, and let's talk about our role as a part of that solution. Let me pray before we dig in. God, I thank you so much for, for your word and the expectations you set forth for us. And, uh, and man, we're, we're grateful to be able to be a part of your plan um, to reach the world. And so I pray that as we dig into these verses tonight, we would see and understand our role in, in reaching the lost world for you um, in, in a new way and, and in a new light. <laughs> but Lord, we, we're thankful for, for that, and we just pray that you would uh, lay on our hearts our need to do what you left us here to do, because if we don't do it, who will? And so we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's start by digging into to the first couple of verses with point number one, the state of the lost and that's what we see in verses 3 and 4, which again say, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So the lost are blind, but it's not a physical blindness, it's a spiritual blindness. Verse 4 is clear that it's a blinding of the mind, it's not a blinding of the eyes. And if you look up the word blind in the Bible, you can see the word blind used to describe stuff like this very frequently. Um, look at what Jesus says to the Pharisees in Matthew 23. Uh, verse 16 says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Verse 17, Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And if you keep reading, he calls them blind like a couple more times. Jesus calls the Pharisees blind, but he didn't call them blind because they physically couldn't see. He calls them blind because they can't see the spiritual importance behind the physical things that they held so dearly. They were only focused on the physical things and physical practices, and they should have been focused on the spiritual truths and realities behind those things. Their focus was on the wrong things, so Jesus calls them blind. And the thing is, that's not just true of the Pharisees. That's true of most human beings as well. That's the natural state of mankind, and we can see that explained to us in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4.17 says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So the natural state for human beings is to have that darkened understanding, is to have their hearts blind. And again, they're not physically blind, they're spiritually blind. And that makes sense when you consider the creation and fall of mankind with Adam and Eve, because Adam and Eve, if you remember, were created in the image of God. We can see that in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So they were made in the image of God. And God is a three-part being because he's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So he created man as a three-part being with a body, a soul, and a spirit. But Adam and Eve lost the image of God when they sinned by eating of the tree they were told not to eat from. You can look that look through that in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, we're not going to dig into that tonight. But when they, when they ate from that, God told them, you're going to die the day that you eat from that. And they did. They died spiritually. 
meaning now they're only a two-part being because their spirit was dead. They're just a body and a soul now. And we can see that they lost the image of God. If you just look in Genesis chapter 5 when they had their son Seth, Uh, Genesis 5, the first three verses say, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him, male and female he created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And then verse 3, and Adam lived in 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. So Seth didn't have the image of God. He was born in the image of Adam who had a dead spirit. So Adam and Eve passed on that bad image to every one of their children and eventually that trickles down to every single human being that would ever live as a result. That's why you and I are born spiritually dead. Uh, that's why you and I are born spiritually blind because dead men see no tales. And having dead spirits means that we can't understand or interact with spiritual things. That's what 1 Corinthians 2.14 says when it says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So on their own, the natural man, the lost man, can't understand or receive spiritual things. That's the state of the lost because they're born spiritually blind and the God of this world continues to blind their minds. And that's an important thing to note too from uh, verse five of our, of our verses tonight. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but, but man, someone is working against the Lord who's trying to shine the light of the glorious gospel to them to make sure that that light doesn't hit those lost people. And that's the God of this world. He's blinding the minds of the lost, trying to make sure that they stay spiritually blind and never come to know or understand or believe the gospel. So this God of the world with, with a small g, if you've been around church for any length of time, you'll probably know that that's referring to Satan. Um, in, case, in case you're not familiar with that, Daniel eleven thirty eight actually calls him the God of forces when talking about how he relates to the Antichrist. Daniel eleven thirty eight says, But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces, and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. And it, it makes sense that Satan would want to make sure lost people stay blinded to the truth of the gospel, doesn't it? He's the one who tempted Eve to sin in the garden, which resulted in her being spiritually dead and blind. So of course he's going to want to work to make sure those who don't believe are blind to the light of the gospel that God's trying to shine to them. He wants them to stay in darkness. And he's not alone either. He has help. We see that in Ephesians 6, verse 12. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's what we have to understand about the Christian life. As Christians, our real enemies are the spiritual ones that are working to keep others blind to the truth. Because too often as Christians, we forget what our job is, and our job is to reach the lost world with the gospel. But there are spiritual wickedness and spiritual enemies that are trying to do the same thing. The good news is those enemies are only so powerful. So even though the spiritual darkness, or even though spiritual darkness is trying to keep them blind and without the Lord, well, the Bible has a solution for that blindness. And that's what we see in point number two. The solution is the Lord. And that's what we see in verse five. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And here you see the Lord's simple solution to the blindness of the lost. We have to preach Christ Jesus the Lord to them. We have to share the gospel with them. We have to be the ones to shine that light. 
And if you've been around the last couple of weeks, that won't come as a surprise to you. Yes, God wants to shine the light of the gospel to the lost, but he he uses us to do it. That's the method he chooses, and we do that by preaching. That is the solution, and that is how we serve people for Jesus' sake. And that's important because the lost aren't just going to find and believe the truth on their own. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 39. And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The sad reality is that the blind lost world isn't going to find their way out of darkness on their own. They're not just going to find the Lord on their own. They need help. They need light. They ultimately need us to shine the light of the gospel that God gave us to them. Because mankind doesn't offer any real solutions. The world has all kinds of solutions that you find in religion and philosophy and different ways of thinking, and none of them are real. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Because Christ is the answer. He's the light of the world. But like we talked about, he's not in the world anymore. He's in, the fa- in, in, in heaven with the Father. But he's left us here as his representatives to shine his light for him. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man, like a physically blind man, who's been blind from his birth. This guy went his whole life without seeing a single thing, and Jesus fixed it. And when he was asked about the event later on, look at what the blind man says in in John 9, 25. And he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. So this guy was blind, and the guy who had been blind for life could suddenly see when he let Jesus heal him. Well, Jesus does the same thing for us, just spiritually. Even though we were born spiritually dead and blind and go our entire lives without spiritually seeing or experiencing the things of God, when we let Jesus fix that, we can spiritually see again and and we become spiritually alive. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is what lets that happen. And we can see the gospel defined for us in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, This would be the fullest mention of the gospel um, it, it contains the entire definition. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, all according to the scriptures that prophesied him and what he would do in the Old Testament. He shed his blood to pay for our sins, and he rose again, proving he has the power over death and hell. And man, that's great news to anyone who believes it. It's even great news to lost people, but only when they choose to accept it. Because you see, Jesus didn't just die for you and me and for the people in this room. He died for everyone. He died so that everyone could have a chance to accept the new spiritual life he offers. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ died for us when we were spiritually dead and blind sinners living contrary to how he wants us to live. That's the love he offers to each and every person through his gospel. But just because he offers it to everyone, that doesn't mean that every lost person automatically gets rid of the spiritual blindness that they were born with. They have to accept that new life first. 
And they do that by doing what Romans 10, 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So if you believe that Jesus Christ has power over death and that he's paid for your sins and you confess him as the Lord of your life because of the new life that that, that payment has offered you, well, you're saved. That's what the Bible says. And when you accept that love that he offers, you become that new spiritual creature that 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's because you're born again spiritually. That's because you have a new spiritual life. That new creature is a spiritual one, one that can spiritually see. And we can see that new spiritual life described for us in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Verses 1 through 6, it says, And you hath he quickened, which just means made alive. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, there's that guy again, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man, praise, praise the Lord. We were stuck and couldn't do anything about it, and Jesus reached down and offered his hand to us, and when we take it, he, he lifts us up and he makes us alive again. So God is the solution to the spiritual blindness that plagues our world. The gospel is the light that shines into the world and provides the knowledge necessary to get out of that darkness and into his light. But the thing is, lost people aren't just going to come to understand that on their own. They're going to be stuck in the world's way of thinking and the world's way of understanding things. They're going to be stuck because the God of this world keeps them stuck. Well, the only thing that can get them unstuck is the light of the gospel. And it's our job to shine that to them. Um, if If you keep reading in Romans 10, you get down to verse 13, some great news for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved that's great all you have to do is call upon him and he'll save you all you have to do is accept it but keep reading in verse 14 how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed you can't call on Jesus if you don't believe in him and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard it's hard to believe in something if you don't know about it and how shall they hear without a preacher you're not going to hear about it without somebody telling you Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? And then verse 17, so faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Man, you want the lost people around you to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, they have to hear about it. And if you're not the one who tells them, who's it going to be? We have a job to do. We have to understand that we are a part of God's solution to unblinding the minds of the lost so that they can accept the gospel. Well, that's only going to happen if we choose to shine the light of the glorious gospel to them. Otherwise, they stay trapped in darkness. That's the reality of the situation. If we don't go preach the gospel and shine that light to the people in our lives, there's a chance that those people may never see that light and they may never hear the gospel. Are you you willing to risk that? because you shouldn't be. You have the solution to their blindness, and can you really not bring yourself to love them enough to share the solution with them? 
Sure, they might reject the solution and stay trapped in darkness because of their decision, but at least you've done your job by shining the light. But even if you can't bring yourself to, to care about them or love them that much, well, it shouldn't really matter to us that, or it should matter to us that, that the Lord is the one asking us to shine. And that brings us to our third point, the source of the light. And that's what we see in verse 6, which again says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we've talked about this throughout the series. God is the source of our light. It's certainly not our own. He created the light. He commanded it to shine out of the darkness. We saw that in Genesis 1 when he said, let there be light. He shined that light in our hearts when we accepted a relationship with him. And he shined that to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He shined that light to us through his gospel. And if you're saved, you've accepted that light. And so remember, God is light. We saw that in 1 John 1.5. It says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We saw that the first week when we talked about why we should shine. We should shine because he gave us his light. So the fact that God is light should affect us because we should shine that light because of our connection with him. That's what 1 John 1 keeps saying in verses 6 and 7. It says, if we, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we, lie, or if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. And so it's simple. Because of our connection to him, it's only reasonable that we should shine that light. It's not that we have any light of our own. We're not the source of that light. It's just God that chooses to shine his light through us. So we have that light, and because we have that light, look at what John 12, 36 says. It says, while ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. And so we have the light, so we should be the children of the light. And that picture is easy to understand because children look and act like their parents. So we should look and act like the light that God has given us. And remember from a couple weeks ago, the light of God points to his holiness. It's what separates light and dark. It's what separates darkness from, from holiness. So we ought to be living holy and doing what God asks us to do because we belong to him now. If you've confessed him as your Lord, you've given him your life. And so he's given us new spiritual life so we can shine his light in our dark world. So who are we to say, no, I'm not gonna do that? In 2 Peter 1, uh, Peter is discussing his experience um, from, or I'm sorry, last week, Nick talked about what I was just saying, how, how we need to shine in our dark world. And we do that by letting the word of God shine in our lives. We hold forth the word of light, if you remember what he was getting at then. We allow the word of God to get inside of us and transform us. We hold it forth to see and to hear, for, or, or for others to see and to hear. And we preach the gospel from his word for the people who need to hear the gospel. Um, and, and you can see that idea in Second Peter chapter 1 when Peter's discussing his experience at the Mount of Transfiguration when Peter, James, and John went into the mount, mountain with Jesus and uh, the, the glory of Jesus was revealed and they saw the blinding light and they heard the voice from heaven when God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Man, what an experience that must have been to see the light of God and hear God's audible voice from heaven. But look at what Peter describes in 2 Peter 1 when he, when he talks about that. 2 Peter 1 verse 18 says, and, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Then look at what he says in verse 19. We, also, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, 
whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in our hearts. And he's talking about the word of God, the Bible, being a more sure word of prophecy than hearing the audible voice of God. The word of God is our light that shines in a dark place. And it's a more sure word of prophecy than hearing the voice of the Lord. Because the Bible is the very words of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit and preserved for us today. We have the words of God in our hand and too often we just don't care. We just don't let them get into our lives and we certainly don't hold them forth to the people that need them. We don't share it and let it shine to the people around us. Psalm 119, 105, I think Nick hit this verse last week. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Over and over again, you see this connection between the word of God and light. Because the word of God is what separates right from wrong. It's what tells us what's wrong with humanity. It's what convicts us of sin. It's what, and it's what tells us how to fix it. The Bible is the source of truth and it's the source of our light. We can't let that light shine through our words, or we can let that light shine through our words in our lives or we can choose to hide it under a bushel like we talked about two weeks ago. We can act like we're still blind if that's, if that's what we really want to do. Look at what Jesus says to the church of Laodicea in, in Revelation chapter 3, um, starting in verse 15. Is, he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And so just because you have the light, that doesn't mean you have to shine it. You can act like you're blind and you can close your eyes and you can shut yourself off from what God's trying to do in your life. But man, you shouldn't do that. You should just let the light shine that God's given you. Doing anything else would, would, would just be not okay. You're a child of light. It's time to start acting like it and letting the light he's given you shine so other people can see it and be directed to him. That's why we're still here. We're his representatives to point people to him and to the truth of his word so that they can choose whether or not they want to accept it. Because if we don't do that, nothing in this world is going to point them to the Lord. That's what we're here for. 1 Corinthians 9.14 says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So your walk should match your talk. And your talk should match the gospel. So we should speak and live in ways that shine the light of the gospel to those around us. We talked a couple weeks ago about how Jesus was, was the light of the world while he was in the world. And we talked about how he gave that light to those who follow him when he left the world. And now he's inside of us because he's shined that light in our hearts and given us the light in his word. And, and so we have it, and now it's up to us to do something with it because he's literally living inside of us. Colossians 1, 26 and 27 says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of, glory of, the, riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ lives inside of you if you're, if you're saved. So the light of the world moved inside of us when we got saved. If you've given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have the light of life. We've seen those verses. You are God's representation on this earth, and if we don't shine the light we've been given, who will? If lost people don't see God's light in us, 
Who are they going to see it from? How shall they hear without a preacher? We have to take that responsibility seriously. We've talked earlier about how God created Adam and Eve in his image, and they lost that image when they sinned, but Jesus Christ made a way to restore that image in us. Like I said, when you accept his gift of salvation through the gospel, you become spiritually alive again. And the Bible tells us you have the image of God restored in your life. Romans 8 tells us that we are the image of Christ, or we are made in the image of Christ. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And that's an important thing to understand because the lost world can't see Jesus Christ. Remember, the natural man can't receive the things of God, but they don't need to see him to get saved. They just need to see him in us. And, they, and that they can do because we are his image. So we just have to live like it and make that as visible as we can by doing and saying the things that God's word tells us to. We just have to shine the light that we've been given. I think about it like staring at the sun. Jaden, when's the last time you stared at the sun? Someone a little older. <laughs> Nick, when's the last time you stared at the sun? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it used to be like a competition when we were kids. Who can stare at the sun the long... Oh, wow, that's close, actually. Um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't stare at the sun because your eyes can't handle it. And if you stare at the sun too long when you're a kid, you wear glasses when you're an adult. That's, that's how it goes. If you try to stare at the sun too long, you just damage your eyes. Some of us, Aren't, aren't that goofy anymore. It <laughs> wasn't on purpose. I just happened upon the sun and kept looking at it um, accidentally. You just can't stare at the sun for very long. But you can stare at a picture of the sun all day, can't you? You ever, you ever think about that? Like, I think about weird stuff like that all the time. Like, I could take a, or, or even, even like I hold my phone up to the sun and I can look at my phone screen showing me the image of the k- sun from the camera, and like, why isn't that blinding me? Well, it's a different light. The light of the sun could blind you. You, you, you can't handle, it's weird, right? <laughs> Jackson's thinking, man. He's thinking over here. The, the actual light from the sun could blind you, but an image of the sun can't blind you because the camera... Are you listening? Because I'm going to explain to you how this works. Oh, no, I don't know. Okay, okay. You were, well, the questions you were asking suggested otherwise. <laughs> the camera's taking the light and converting it to a form that you can examine and interact with. God uses us the same way. We're God's phone camera. How weird is that? A better example... It's strange. A better example would be the moon. Because the moon doesn't have light of its own, just like us. It's just a dead hunk of rock, but it reflects the light of the sun to give our world light when it's dark. We can see in the dark because the moon shines the light of the sun on us when we're in the dark. So the dark world we live in can see the Lord when we shine his light on them through the way we live and the things we say. And that's what this series has been all about, Charlie Brown. That's an old joke, too, for you kids. We need, to cho- we need to choose to shine the light we've been given. So, man, let's just live the way the Bible tells us to live. Let's share the gospel with the people around us who need it. That's our job, 
because God has made us the light of the world because he's given us his light. So let's not hide his light. Let's let, let's let his light shine this Christmas and as we enter into the new year, let's just commit to getting in his word every day and allowing it to transform us so that we're as prepared as we can be to shine the light that he's given us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the, the responsibility that you've given us and how humbling that is to just think about the need for us to do what you ask because if we choose not to do it, then, then the work doesn't get done. If we choose not to shine your light, then our world stays dark and the, the people of the world stay in blindness and, and that's on us. And so, Lord, I pray that we choose to shine. I pray that we choose to be your phone camera so that they can understand a little bit about who you are and we can point them to you and, and share the gospel with them so they can experience the same life change and the same spiritual life that, that you've given to us. Because at the end of the day, Lord, that's, that's what you want. You want everyone to be reconciled to you. You want everyone to come to, to know you as their Savior. And, and you've chosen to use us to communicate that to people. And so, Lord, I pray we take it seriously. And I pray that we would just make the choice every single day to let your light shine. In your name we pray. Amen.